More trouble and health shortages of specialist GPs putting a strain on staff across the country. Data shows that many GPs are now moving their non-contact clinical work into the evenings or weekends just to find time to complete it. Now, Samantha Merton is the president of the Royal College and is with us. Very good morning, Samantha. Hey, good morning, Mike. Can I, can I just excuse my ignorance? What's a specialist GP as opposed to a GP? So a specialist GP is one who's done all the vocational training. So following... following medical school, a few years in the hospital, you then go on and do specific training around general practice and how to do that. And then you have a fellowship visit, which says that someone comes and assesses you, checks you out, makes sure that you're meeting the standards. Okay, cool. So we did some stuff on the nurses last week. And the nurses, there are lots of them in the country, for example. They come from overseas and they can't get a job because of various... Is there something similar going on with GPs? Yeah, we've... um, not had enough coming through our training programs for quite some time. We've also relied a lot on people coming in from overseas, which is fine, but that got disrupted through COVID. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I think there is a, was a time in the 90s when we weren't training enough at all. And so our ageing population of doctors, we've got this big gap between, behind our ones who are wanting to retire because of that 90s glitch that we had. Got you. So is it the number of people at med school or the number of people specifically looking to be GPs? Which is the problem or is it both? It's both. Right. Yeah. So if you simply get more people in med school and there's a third one coming, if, if you double the number of people, therefore you'll get some more GPs no matter what happens. Yep. Well, well we aren't um, told what vocation we need to go into. So but we need to make the vocations attractive. Mm. There's a couple of issues around ours is that there's very little time spent during medical training in general practice because um, it's you have to put people, farm them out somewhere so they have to move. Right. Um, and also that we have to have time for training. And as you can see from our survey, um, there's a little bit of money towards training, but most of our income comes from the time that we're actually sitting in front of the patient. So that... that, that um, invoicing that goes to the patient then registers what we've done as work but actually what we've done as work is not just that time in front of the patient. Exactly. With the numbers, could you in some way tilt the attractiveness of GPing uh, in med school and therefore partially solve your problem that way or not? I think we could. Um, We do need to um, just recognise what the actual work is because I think it's like like your job. We see we hear you on the radio, but is that all the time that you're actually working? Oh, no. No, and so, it's not. <laughs> and so that's the thing. People see us in front of a patient, but that's not all the time that we're doing work. So we need to make sure that that's attractive, but it also needs to be calculated in and factored into how we remunerate GPs. But then also we need more numbers so that we can say what a good working week looks like. If I was working 40 hours, I'd only have 22 and a half hours in front of a patient and then there'll be another 17 and a half that would have to be funded somehow to do all the other stuff, which is like writing referrals to the hospital, liaising with your colleagues, all those other things, which actually the information I have from a patient is the important stuff that is utilised for that. So it makes it very difficult to devolve all of that job to somebody else. Do you reckon, I don't know how many times I've interviewed people like you or, you know, groups like you, do you reckon any of this is ever going to get solved or are we just going to sit here talking about it till we die? <laughs> well, it's, it's, talking about it till we die. Um, that's, I think the tragedy is that actually primary care is the bedrock of any healthcare system. And when it's struggling and we have all this evidence and we've got evidence, I'd say up to our of 
you know, like for every dollar spent in primary care saves $13. Our hospitals cost us an enormous amount of money. We should be able to do them out of a job. We still need to have hospitals, sure. but we shouldn't have them doing all the work that could be done in primary care. So investing in primary care and making it rock solid is the most critical thing we could do. And we just need people who are brave enough to say, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Good on you, it Samantha. Would... Nice to talk to you again. Samantha Merton, who's the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners. I thought it was very charitable of her to say that what you do is work. Exactly. For more from the Mike Hosking Breakfast, listen live to News Talk ZB from 6am weekdays or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.